All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? What up, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we are officially into spooky season as this is our first episode in October. And we're going to take things on a slightly different route this October. So we're not going to do specifically Halloween movies. We're going to do movies or that take place at Halloween. We're going to do movies that encompass the feel of Halloween. And so when you start thinking about Halloween and that fall season, it might arise those feelings of romance in you, depending on where you live. You might start thinking about those fantastic trips you can take with, with your, your significant other or with your children. Maybe you make that pumpkin patch trip because that's an October thing. You got to make that pumpkin patch trip. You got to get that candy apple. And what comes out of the pumpkin patch when you're watching horror movies, nothing other then Pumpkinhead. That's right. We are talking the movie Pumpkinhead, the classic creature feature from 1988, featuring an actor that we all know. And we're going to get to him in a little bit, because if you don't follow us on Instagram, we might teach you a little something about him today. But this movie's got a little bit of everything. It's got old ladies up on the mountain. It's got bumpkins. It's got no traffic light towns. I mean, this damn thing could have taken place in Alabama. In northern Alabama, there are mountains here. Like, I I have met people like the characters in Pumpkinhead. So, Dave, I know we both said when we went into this, we've seen it before, but it's been a long time. I think we both said easily 20 years. So, the section that we're calling Origins, Dave, does Pumpkinhead hold up? You know, um, I remember liking Pumpkinhead when I was younger. And, you know, just the name kind of brings about this like Halloween feel. And I remember watching this movie a lot um, in Halloween time when I was a kid. It was like one of those things that like it was the leaves don't start to change colors here in Miami. <laughs> right. But I would see pictures of leaves changing color. I was like, oh, it's time to watch Pumpkinhead. And so I saw it a lot as a kid, but I had not seen it in years. I think it holds up. And it's kind of weird because there's very little gore. Very there's little. there's yeah there's very little in the way of like kills there's there's a few but um it's not it's not really like the um, like the balls to the wall stuff you know right it's um it almost feels like a tales from the crypt episode that got stretched out a little bit i can see that and um i think that's okay because when you watch this movie when you watch any movie that Stan Winston's name is attached to, correct, you're watching it for the creature. You're watching it for the monster effects. And in that respect, this movie really delivers. I think that there's something magical about Pumpkinhead, the monster. I think that, um, believe it or not, I think there's some really good writing in here. I think that the dialogue is particularly well-written. Agree. I I think that no character in this entire movie says anything that myself or a friend of mine wouldn't say. And for a low budget 80s monster flick, that's huge because I was watching this and I was like, man, you know what? With with like the right A-list cast, this could be like a like a hereditary you know, if, if you would right. have if you would have like a Gabriel Byrne in here, you know, if you would have a Tony Collette in here, what would that do for this for this movie? And they just, you know, they don't have the budget to pay for this. So you get Lance Henriksen, who I fucking love. Oh, incredible. Anytime I see Lance Henriksen in something, I know I'm gonna have a good time. And and that's what this movie is really, I think, is it's a good time. Yeah. 
No, I agree completely. Uh, I watched this movie for the first time. I want to say it was 2002 because I'm picturing who I watched oh, okay. it with and uh, and where I was living. And the reason that I, when I fired this up, we picked this. I was like, yeah, Pumpkinhead. And I fired it up. I was like, yeah, Halloween movie. And I was watching. I was like, shit, that's right. This movie doesn't take place during Halloween. Mm-hmm. But the story of why it associated it with Halloween, more so than just because his name is Pumpkinhead, is because I was living in an apartment with some buddies and we'd done the blockbuster trip on a Friday night. It was October. And we were like, yeah, no, let's grab a Halloween movie. So we grab this movie called Pumpkinhead, you know, essentially expecting some sort of killer that has a pumpkin on his head. So we're like, this is Halloween as fuck. You know, we're thinking killer jack-o'-lantern that's what we're in for and once i started watching it and i put all that together i remembered why this is so it it, uh, just completely tied to uh halloween for me that being said i agree i think it holds up i think that there's definitely that level of 80s cheese when it comes to some Mm -hmm. of this photography and stuff like that i mean it's definitely a product of its time you can you can feel the the 80s filming techniques just seeping out of the screen yeah watch this but we did get some good performances uh like i'm i'm with you on the lance Henriksen thing man like i said he's just amazing uh if you don't follow us on instagram and you didn't know this tidbit let me fill you in lance Henriksen is one of only two actors that have been killed by an alien a predator and a terminator yeah you know the other one dave um is it um shit um fuck i'm seeing his face and um oh hang on a second i gotta look up his name because i'm a so game over man that's him it's It's bill paxton bill paxton wow (laughs) what a brain fart but i knew i knew who the fuck we were talking about as soon as you said i was i could see him i was like if he says game over man i'm gonna give him credit yes okay bill paxton is the only other actor that's been killed by all three of those so uh just an interesting little tidbit there about lance hendrickson but this movie What's really cool about this is a lot of times in the in those those 80s horror films, especially when you get into that slasher genre, it, it's all just about the kills. And the story mm-hmm. is nothing more than a plot device at best. I love the reference that you made to Hereditary because there is a lot here that with a bigger budget and a, and a grander view of what horror can be and is yeah. now then then there there's a lot that can be done with this because we really do get some really great stuff out of that. So I liked the evolution of that. I liked watching some of the characters grow and change. I, I mean, there was there, there's a lot of good stuff here, but when it ultimately comes down to it, and we're going to get to talking about them later, man, this is the Pumpkinhead show. They did absolutely right to name this movie just Pumpkinhead yeah. because he is a beast of a movie monster. And just so I think it holds up. I think that there there's a lot of fertile ground here for things to talk about. And I I just I really enjoy I enjoyed it so much. Today I had a I was I was off sick from work today. So after I got a nap after my doctor's appointment, I went back and re-watched the second half of this movie just to really kind of take in a lot of the little things they did to take away from the fact that obviously. 90% of their special effects budget was in creating pumpkin head. So yeah. we weren't going to get amazing kills. So I tried to go back and look for the ways that they did cuts or the way that they still made those moments really dramatic without us, without showing us too much of what he did and credit where credits do. They pulled that off really well. We've talked plenty about movies that don't give us the money shot and how disappointing it is. Uh, what's great about this is as often as we don't get the money shot, they still manage to put something into that moment that makes it still feel weighted and like something you want to watch. So you're not upset that you didn't get that moment. And the couple we get are pretty great. So I- I'm not upset about yeah. it. I-, I think a lot of that has to do with what you qualify as the money shot. Right. Because when the money shot is the Terminator punching a hole through your chest, and then you you know, you see that, you know, gory fist come out the back, Bill Paxton, right? right? <laughs> um, like that is that's a money shot. 
But then there's a different money shot, which is like what we see behind us here on the screen, right? There's the creature shot. And yeah. ultimately what this is is a creature feature because uh, I, I think – you can go back to like the universal monster movies and you can see a lot of this, like with particularly I'm thinking of the creature from the black lagoon yeah. where, you know, you've got all that great underwater photography going on. Um, uh, Florida boy, Riku Browning is the guy who directed all that stuff, who was in the suit and did all this stuff. Like that's the money shot in that movie. Right. To see that choreography between the creature and the girl, like, that is for me like what brings me back to that movie what brought me back to Pumpkinhead so often as a kid was the monster the shots of him in the trees holding this girl up yes. before he drops her it for me it wasn't about the drop for me it was about that you know that shot of this thing what the fuck is it you haven't even really fully seen the creature yet and i think that's something that stan winston who directed this thing right it was the very first thing he ever directed i think that he kind of understood that that what he was going to be able to deliver was a badass creature feature and not some gore fest which i think we don't as as popular as the creature feature is we don't get it often right and 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 that's I I think where I want to you know shift gears. So in a section that we're going to call pumpkin lore, um, talking about the story of Pumpkinhead. Um, so this is based on on a poem by um, by a poet named Ed Justin, and it's basically what we see on screen is this yeah. poem, and we we get bits and pieces of this poem early on when. Um, when Bunt's family is kind of like, you know, just running around and, you know, singing the song. And it's pretty simple. You know, fuck around and find out. Yeah, that's exactly. There we and, go. And, and I th I, yeah, I think that, that you, you can't sublimate this into a simpler thing. You know, you can keep reducing this into some sort of reduction sauce. And what you're going to end up getting is fuck around, find out. That's what this movie's about. Country edition. Yes, that's it. And there's something beautiful about that because it's America's fuck, but it's also Halloween as fuck. Because to me, like it feels Halloween. It does. And like you said, this isn't a, you know, defined Halloween movie. Yeah, it could be October. We don't know. Could be. Right. And, you know, we're both from the South. It's October. I'm sweating my ass off here. I was 91 today. Yes, absolutely. So. How does the story work for you? Does it work for you or is it like it's not about the story? It's all about the monster. You know, this is one where it's not all about the monster. This is one where we get. So the the premise here is that, you know, we've got we've got uh, Lance Hendrickson, who's a single father in bumfuck Egypt. Uh, you know, like I said, might as well be Boaz, Alabama. And uh, he runs a little country store and you can tell his son is the only thing he has in the world. Get a bunch of teenagers come through acting like jackasses. And one of them runs him over with his dirt bike and kills his son. And so in a moment of intense grief, he finds this old woman in a cabin. They, you know, in the mountains, also kind of on a lake. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not here to judge. Right. Uh, he essentially finds <laughs> Baba Yaga and he <laughs> asks her if she can bring his son back to life. She says, no, beyond my beyond my my realm of abilities. So he says, well, I know when I was a kid that somebody got killed by a monster because he killed a girl. And she's like, ah, you don't want to do this. Like, fuck you. I want to do that. Right. So he does that. He brings back this demon called Pumpkinhead to seek revenge on these kids. He very quickly realizes that that was a terrible idea, not only because he, you know, sicked a demon on a group of teenagers. Gotta love that idea of, you know, 80s teenagers, yeah. man. Never gets old. Um, and not only is it a bad idea that he did this, but as Pumpkinhead is killing these teenagers, he has to live those moments. Mm -hmm. So now he has to live with his decision, not just with the guilt of it, like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. He has to live with the actual memories 
of what it was like to murder these kids. So he decides he's going to help them save themselves from Pumpkinhead. And that story, that not not even not even getting into the Pumpkinhead part of that story, that story's so good because even though we can't all, and I'm knocking out every bit of wood here, I can find here, we can't relate to what it's like to lose a child. Right. We can all relate to what it's like to make an extraordinarily bad decision at a weak moment in your life. That's something, I mean, you know, and, and the, the realm of bad decision is wide, but we can all relate to that idea of in that moment, nothing else mattered except this one thing. And I made a bad choice. And so in that, even when, even when you're watching him make a deal with this old woman to send a demon after, after these kids, you, you, you're, he's still a relatable character. You're still never viewing Lance as the, uh, as the villain of this movie, Ed, Ed Hartley's his name. No, you're never, never viewing him as the villain, which, you know, I, you know, I don't think many people would regardless, but you're, you're never you're you don't you don't even put the blame on him for what happens to these teenagers, mm-hmm. but you still get to see him immediately regret and try to rectify his decision. And I mean, that's the human condition when it's all said and done. That's what life is. Life is doing something. And if it doesn't work out, being big enough to try to fix it. And not just walk away and live with whatever the consequences are. I, that is the that is the ultimate hierarchy of things that we're supposed to be able to do if we're growing and evolving as a people is to understand that not every decision we make is a good one. And what can we do to fix it? Mm-hmm. And like like you said, like I said at the top, that idea is really just kind of planted in this movie. And yeah, we watch it grow and it doesn't have to be ham fisted. And the movie's only an hour 40 long. They give us just enough of it to walk home with that feeling of this movie that, you know, ultimately ends with a self-sacrifice because you fuck up that bad. And sometimes there's only one way to fix it. Right. And so it, we, we get this amazing story that's far deeper than a creature feature in the late eighties had any business fucking around with. And I love that they gave us that, but it wasn't, it wasn't just in your face. I didn't need him to go. I didn't need like for a pumpkin head to take a break from killing while he went to a psychologist and talked this out. And, and the, the psychologist was like, well, now you've got to fix your mistakes. No, he was like, Oh man, I fucked up. Where's my flamethrower. Boom, bam. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> he, he went out there and he did the damn thing. And that was why I went back and watched the second half of this movie again, essentially from the moment when he started experiencing the kills until it ended again, because I wanted to see how that came across on Ed's face, how he faced each one of those moments and those decisions. And that part of what carried this story ended up upon another viewing being far more important to me than the actual monster, even though it was the monster's show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I agree with everything you said. And there's there's one thing in particular that um, that you started to get at that to me is the most interesting aspect of this movie. And it's um, because I've, I've talked before on the show about how the only thing that truly scares me is grief. Right. Um, Losing the people that are closest to me is to me, the scariest thing that could possibly happen. And that's what this movie is really about because it is a revenge movie. And I love revenge movies. Like I love all of the death wish movies. Huge fan. Um, I, I, and the I, worse they are, the better they are. Oh, dude, I I will watch Spit on Your Grave tonight and be like, "Yep, still holds up." Absolutely, you know, there's there's something to me about bad guys getting their comeuppance that just hits right, you know. Right. Um, 
But the thing is that it is also a movie about grief because we never meet the wife and we're certain right. that something has happened to her that was sad. Right. And we we see in um an ed that there's a relationship that he has with his son that he never had with his dad. There's there's something special there between those two. Um it's beautiful. And when that's gone, the only thing he wants is revenge. So it's 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 revenge by way of grief. It's not just like, you know, you uh as much as I love um, you know, you mentioned Baba Yaga, right? Like as much as I love um the John Wick movies, that's revenge because of an idea. Right. It's not revenge because I've lost something. You know, like a dog. Past the and first I, one. And, you, know. And, you know, yeah, you know, I, I I get the dog thing. If someone fucked up my dog, I'd be fucking up the person too. But your kid's your kid. You know? Right. Um, so to me, there's there's such a a real thing there. And and Henriksen is an actor that I don't think gets enough credit. To me, he reminds me a lot of uh Dick Miller or of uh Harry Dean Stanton, another alien alum who like just every time you see this guy he's given it his all and the performance is filled with truth and the performance is is filled filled with a reality that you can get in touch with and 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 he does such a good job here of selling that grief to me that's the most fascinating thing about this story because how he is linked to pumpkinhead how does Pumpkinhead become Pumpkinhead? Is it really the body of the other person? And, you know, all, all that stuff. Like, I get lost in that lore. Right. But the thing is, I'm not focusing on that lore. Because it's not about that. It's about an exploration of what loss does to a person. And subsequently, how getting your revenge is not really the way to go about things. Right, you got you, you to deal with that loss because otherwise, you do get lost in the revenge, and 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 we see that where he's like, yeah, no, it, I wanted these people dead, but now that they're starting to die, and I'm seeing this, that's not what I want. What I want is my son back, and that's not going to bring him back. And and I think that that's such a simple, beautiful thing that it's almost impossible to fuck that up. Right. And and it didn't matter how much in this movie didn't make sense, it wouldn't have been fucked up. Right. And 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 and, and, and important fact, I think there's a lot in this movie that does make sense, despite all the dark magic and, and the evil hill witches and all that stuff. Like, that's cool, that's great. But like, have you heard of this premise? Because you can't fuck it up. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of evil hill witches, uh, be before we move on, I, I do want to point out something else about the story here that's that's very important. And that is that there's this idea that this whole idea of like magic and with witchcraft and stuff like that is all owned by this any, you know, this this new wave and new age culture. And I know that it's not even new wave or new age anymore because people have been using that phrase for so long. But this movie does an excellent job of pointing out the fact that very few people, American people, very few American people do magic better than hillbillies. Look there. Right. When it, when it comes to stories of old ladies that are impossibly old and no shit that people shouldn't know would have lived things that people shouldn't live. Hillbillies are that dude. Like if you you look at the history of the world and how old different things are, there's a reason that when we, well, I say when we, I, you may not do this. When I fall <laughs> down deep holes of cryptid research and 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 cryptozoology, you constantly end up back in Appalachia because the yeah. Appalachian Mountains are some of the oldest mountains in the world, and the idea that every hillbilly knows somebody who fucked around with this nonsense and now just lives in a cabin by themselves because they've been exiled or whatever. 
that is so ingrained in country culture. And like I said, especially when you get into that Appalachia area, there is, I mean, Mothman, Flatwoods Monster, all of these things are in those areas where it's just where it's just blue collar mining towns. And there's just these huge areas that nobody goes in. And so I do love that this wasn't that that it was it was something that was uniquely American in being mm-hmm. or not uniquely American, but it was very American in being, you know, an old hill witch. They you know, he didn't have to go to, you know, he didn't go to some voodoo priestess or something like that. It it stuck very closely with what is American hillbilly lore. And I'm not using that word in a derogatory way. I'm just using it to mean people who live in the mountains and shoot me if I'm yeah. wrong for saying it like that. Right. But it was, I do love that because so often whenever a witch gets involved, what we get is, you know, somebody who listens to a lot of Stevie Nicks in a big floppy hat. Right. right or yeah or we we're get... not talking about someone who orders your psls <laughs> with with with, right. with extra whipped cream at at, at starbucks right. like i do you know yeah this this is a lady who sets <laughs> frogs for traps and they are simultaneously potion right. ingredients and dinner all right this is <laughs> this 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 is a lady who i mean in her own words he says, God damn you. And she says, he already has. Like, let's go. Oh, what a great line. Oh, my God. I, it was so good. And so that's going to take us right into our next section. So in a, in a section that we're calling bumpkins, there we go. We're just throwing these words around, right? It's all love. <laughs> it's all love. In a section we're calling bumpkins, let's talk about the people in this movie. Because essentially, we got two categories of folks here. We got the country folks and we got the city kids. They came and they fucked around. The country folks made them find out, right? So who stands out for you in this movie? Uh, listen, I, I I talked about him already, um, but Lance Henriksen, I cannot tell you how much I love this guy. Whether he's in The Terminator or he's in uh, Aliens, like Bishop. this guy. Fuck it. Bishop is, I can't say he's the best character in the Alien series, because Sigourney Weaver exists, right? You know, but fuck if he's not the second best character <laughs> in the Alien series, you know, yeah. as a good guy and as a bad guy, right? You know, he's he's just fantastic. Henriksen is one of these guys. Like he shows up in a movie, I'm gonna fuck around with this movie, exactly. You know? And I, and I'm probably gonna rewatch this movie. And that's that's the thing with Henriksen is I think that he chooses movies that he genuinely wants to watch to be in and i think that there's guys like that out there where it's like fuck i want to have a beer with this guy because all the movies that he's in i love these movies like beyond his performance because i've seen movies where like yeah i don't care for the movie but that was a good performance right this guy like every fucking movie he's in like i fuck with the movie yeah like the, the, the concept the premise it's like Dude, you're fucking cool because, like, I think I'm a cool dude. Like, I'm a fucking nerd, you know. But like, but I'm also like, I, who's gonna fucking look at himself in the mirror and be like, "You suck." No, I'm fucking awesome, and I right. fucking love these movies. And he's in these movies, you know. So it's like, shit. I want to sit down. I want to have a beer with Lance Henriksen. He's so goddamn cool, you know. And 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 I, I mean, he's fucking eighty three years old, you know. And the he's, dude- he's still fucking kicking around. You got to rent a locker to keep this guy's filmography in. I, I mean, he is yeah. he has worked constantly, constantly. Mm-hmm. This man has worked since the seventies. I mean, like looking at his looking at his IMDb, his or his wiki, his first credited thing was sixty one, but since seventy two, there are no gaps in this man's resume. He does voices, mm-hmm. he does direct to video, he does it all. Apparently, there is a movie coming out called "Bring Me the Head of Lance Henriksen," where he plays himself. <laughs> That's the point he's reached in his career. Now it's like now I get to play a movie about people trying to kill me because I'm Lance Henriksen or whatever the hell the premise of that is going to be. I'm here for it. Right. Sign me yeah. up. So he's, he's just one of these guys where, you know, like, you know, Lance Henriksen, even if you think you don't, you know him. Yes. And, and your, and your childhood, if you're anywhere near our age, your childhood was made by Lance Henriksen. And, and, and it's great to see him as the star 
because he's right. always a supporting character and he does that well. And unfortunately in Hollywood, if you're a great character actor, like if you're just, you know, and character actor is a nice word of saying you're really, fu you're so fucking good at your job that you can't be typecast that you have right. to be playing something different because you're that fucking versatile, you know? So like, he's, he's just, he's, this is the first time we get to really see him. I think, at least as far as like my knowledge goes, see him really carry a movie. Yeah. And, 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 and for me, it's fantastic. You know, I felt that way. I mentioned Harry Dean Stanton a little bit ago. I felt that way with lucky uh, a couple years ago where, you know, I finally got to see him at like the age of 90 or something. Right. Like star in a movie. It's like you fucking rock, man. You know, you got Paris, Texas and you got lucky. Good for you, man. You know, you'll always be, you know, on the Nostromo getting fucking massacred by the alien for everyone else. But you can star in a movie and, and don't let anyone tell you that you can't. Yeah. I mean, he carries so much weight in this movie and does so much like there that scene when he first picks up his son and he's walking off with them and scratches like, oh, can I do anything to help? And he doesn't say a fucking word. He yeah. just turns and glares at him and then scratch later. It's like, he looked at me like he wanted to kill me. I'm like, well, I saw it. So I didn't need you to tell me that because yeah, yeah. I got that exact same feeling. But then, and, and then, and then a little bit later, you get him just grief stricken with, with Haggis, the, the Hill lady. And you get that great moment. Then you get that whole idea, th that whole just run he has where he's he's desperately, you know, trying to maybe fit or trying to fix what he did and watching him go through all that down to at the end, you see the realization in his face when he's like, I have to die. Like the only way to hurt this thing is to hurt me. Right. And and he there wasn't a minute where I had to be like, wait, what? Because I read it all in his acting. He, he absolutely slayed. It's amazing to see a movie like this and then go back and realize how many times he was just the other guy because you watch this movie and go, man, he's, he's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, he, he was amazing. You know, the, the performances of, of, of everybody else, you know, they, they were kind of what they had to be. You know, you get, yeah. it was not, not great, but they weren't bad. You know, we got the, the performance from uh, the girl who I, th I believe her name was Amber. The one who was just in shock after watching it all happen. Um, was it uh, Maggie? Maggie. That's it. Not yeah. Maggie. Yeah. Um, the she one just looked like an Amber though. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Well, um, I knew exactly who you were talking about. Right. Yeah. Like you, you get this, you do get a really good kind of just, you know, person in shock performance out of her which is a weird thing to say but it never felt forced so that was good but man and i talked about her already i loved haggis she yeah. was awesome and you know yeah there's some makeup but it was also like i'm pretty sure that was an old lady you know like she 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 was just great um in in what she did and the way she delivered lines was so creepy. Yeah. Mr. Hurley. Like, just like that constant, yeah. that, that tone that she had. That set me on edge as much as anything else did. I loved her. And I think that, yeah, like I said, I, I, I as soon as he saw the cabin, I was like, oh, yeah, he went to find Baba Yaga. You know, and, and yeah. that, but that's what she was. Yeah. And and that was okay. You know, take away the chicken legs on the house and yeah, she was Baba Yaga. And well, and that's and that's great. That's that's an area of myth, uh, of of folklore that should be explored more because yes. when you when you actually dig into the Baba Yaga lore, you find out that like 90% of fairy tales, the evil witch is just a version of Baba Yaga. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was always just that idea that she was this one powerful omnipresent witch mm -hmm. and she, she delivered that while not, it, you know, like I said, yeah, her house was not chicken. Like she wasn't wearing a black dress and stirring a cauldron, but I never once doubted that she was a witch. She just looked dusty and old. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to your point, she was almost 70 years old when she made this movie. There we go. Uh, yeah, Florence Schaffler, 
born 1920. This movie was made in 1988. So she would have been 68 years old. And um, and them years used to be harder. 68-year-olds used to look 68. Uh, yeah, well, them 68. This, this, this woman lived through World Wars and the Depression. Like, we're <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This blew my mind. She passed in 2017. Damn. Yeah. Almost 100. That's it. That's insane to me. Yeah, almost a hundred, ninety-seven years. That's that's nuts. That's fucking nuts to me. Well, I'm, um, I'm glad she was around to deliver this role because as as little yeah. as she was there, she was she was great. I, I will say one more that that I think did a great job in making me hate him, and that was uh, John Diaquino. I was going to mention uh, him. Joel. Yeah, yeah, dude, I hated him so fucking much. Just, just every goddamn thing about him was 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 hateable. It was yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but you know what? There's there's almost almost a relatable quality to him because I think we've all at some point in our lives fucked up so bad that we want to run away, right? that we don't want to face the consequences of our actions and say, no, I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to do better next time. And, and, and I know me, I don't deserve to uh -huh. pay for this. Right. Where I, I, I know that I'll go on the straight and narrow and, and that things will be better and I can't change what's already happened, but I can change the future. To me, that's such a real thing. And and his performance, and I I don't think that John DeQuino is a an A list actor by any means, but he's Todd, he's Todd Gack from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, but I, I I've been rewatching Seinfeld for the last like I don't know maybe six months. So I just I, I like in the past couple of months I just finished I just recently finished using it as my background show again. That's it. That's what it's been for me is is my background show. So over the over the past six months, I've probably rewatched every episode, I don't know, maybe four or five times. Right. Um, paying attention, maybe one or two of those times. Um, but like he's that's the thing is like he always does a really good job of bringing genuine human feeling into yeah. what it is that he's doing, you know, whether it's Gak, you know, <laughs> or or Joel, you know, and, and, and that's the thing is like I. I've never killed anyone, not on purpose, not by accident, but I have fucked up before. And I've almost been able to convince myself, like, I shouldn't pay for this. Right. I shouldn't pay for this, this thing that I fucked up, because why should I pay for it when it's already happened and I can just move forward and do better in the future? But if we don't pay for the things that we do, then what even are we doing as a society? Right. You know, and, and and I think that he does come to realize that at some point in the movie, you know, where like he 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 wants to face Pumpkinhead. And I think he's uh, he approaches it almost as as a hero moment because right. his his mind is so twisted. You know, he's like, this is my moment to shine. And it, it is satisfying to me when he dies. Oh yeah, no, absolutely it is. Cuz he, um, he he brought this upon himself. Yeah, exactly. And he does kind of have that moment where you wonder if maybe the realization that that his actions are causing this to happen to his friends even though most of them didn't like him, but one of them was his brother, you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, he has that moment where he does kind of realize that that he's the one who brought this on everybody else and so his refusal to pay for what he's done, now everybody's paying for it. And so yeah, so maybe he did kind of view it as a hero moment even though we all sat back and knew that we were about to watch him get his come up and and enjoy yeah. every second of it. <laughs> um the there's a couple people we didn't talk about, but I think the the one character that deserves to be talked about that we did not talk about is Pumpkinhead. So in a section we're calling "Keep Away from Pumpkinhead," uh, which of course in the uh, in the poem is uh, is is one of these you know pivotal lines: "Keep away from Pumpkinhead unless you're tired of living. His right. enemies are mostly dead." He's mean and unforgiving. So Pumpkinhead, as a monster, as a villain, how does Pumpkinhead work for you? 
All right. So first and foremost, the reason, the biggest reason that this movie stands up is because Pumpkinhead, the creature, the special effects that were put into, and the, the character creature design that were put into creating Pumpkinhead were fucking astronomically good. Yeah. The way that this thing looks is horrifying. Mm-hmm. His crazy little backstory of being buried in this pumpkin patch cemetery in this one grave up on a hill and you've got to dig him up to summon him is terrifying. The way he moves was not that blocky. Like, yeah, you could tell it was puppetry, but it, I would rather watch something that I can just kind of tell is puppetry if you're going to put the blood, sweat, and tears into creating that puppet that they did for this movie. The actual monster of Pumpkinhead is so damn good. Just everything about him. He looked horrifying. He's he he can't for the longest time we're thinking he can't die. He can't be hurt. That moment that you mentioned at the top when we're, you know, we're discussing what is the money shot, him crouched in that tree. And it's like, shit, he's got a tail. Yeah. Like just, it was, he was an amalgamation of like a predator and an alien and a, a, a demon slash fallen angel. It looked like he had the wings on his back that had been like cut off or ripped yeah. off or something like that. He was, he was all of these things that are terrifying on their own brought together in one grotesque movie monster. And it was awesome. It was incredible. And as the lore of him, you know, kind of slightly developed, I know that this became a whole franchise. I've never read the comic or played the video game or watched any past this, but I do know that there is a whole franchise about this, but the little bit of lore that we got, I mean, it was, it was perfect. He was a perfect movie monster. He was ridiculously strong. He was, he was, you know, impenetrable, even though, you know, or like he came back to life, even when you did damage to him, he was scary to look at. He had a fucking sick sense of humor, man. When he takes that girl's face and is just like rubbing it on the window before he pushes it through. And she's still alive a little bit in that moment. Like he had a little bit of everything. It was great. Like this is one I, I this is the type of movie you know is never gonna get like a big screen release, but this movie makes me want to find somebody with a projector because I want to see him like eight feet, ten feet tall and and just take it in like that instead of just watching it on my TV because this is the type of movie monster that was specifically created to be enjoyed on the big screen he was spectacular yeah i i i agree to me this is this is the reason why you watch this movie the stories the story's good the dialogue is good the acting is good uh but this is why and when 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 you see the name stan winston you know the special effects are going to be good. And just in case there's anyone listening that, that's not getting the fact that we keep referencing Stan, Win- uh, Stan Winston, this is the guy who has Academy Awards for Aliens, for Terminator, for Jurassic Park, for Edward Scissorhands. Makeup and special effects is what this guy does, and he does it at the absolute highest possible level. Like, he he is... Um, the way horror people talk about Tom Savini... Stan Winston is on that level, but at a, I think, a less genre and right. more, um, m- more uh, in a broader sense, you know, because it, it, people have seen his work since Terminator. I mean, I, I, I think Term- Terminator One is that movie that kind of like brought him to the forefront of, uh, of special effects work. In, in 1984 and and so since then i mean the, his school still produces special effects artists that are making movies today 
And I think and, he, and I think he won Oscars all the way into the two thousands. I think he won for um, uh, Jude Law, Haley Joel Osment, AI. Oh, did he? I, I think he did this. I think he did the uh, the special effects for AI. Yeah. So this is the guy yeah. who also has continued to grow with the industry because, as we all know, AI, AI was all CG. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, to your point, yeah, two thousand two. Oscar nomination, best visual effects for AI. Uh, he's got three Oscars, Aliens, Terminator 2, and Jurassic Park. And, you know, when, when you stop and think about, like, the best special effects movies, right. you know, not, like, best special effect, because there are effects where I'm like, that was fucking killer, and I don't know how they did that. They murdered some guy, or they actually created a, a, a zombie, or there's a real monster called a, a, a Yautja or something like that, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's, like, deeper special effect movie. The whole thing is special effects, like stan winston's your fucking guy yeah you know and and what what i think really is fascinating about this is that dino de Laurentiis, who's like the guy for like 80s action schlock right he look he turns to stan winston and he's like hey there's this script that we've got and it's based on this poem about a monster made out of a pumpkin and stan winston was like oh yeah and he goes, we want you to do the special effects. And Stan Winston says, hold my beer. Say less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he just fucking goes wild with this thing. Right. Because his level of involvement, if you watch any documentaries on Terminator, Alien and Predator, like this guy is at the forefront of these movies. Like he took special effects back to where they were in the 50s and 60s with Ray Harryhausen, where special effects artists weren't just creating the special effects, but they were kind of co-directing right. with the director. And they were really involved in the actual photography of it because they knew how to make these effects look fantastic. And as the creature feature in the eighties blows up again, after really like a real big lull in the seventies and the sixties, it's like, okay, let me show you how it's done again. Because Cameron came in, he was like, yeah, I got this, you know, and James Cameron's the fucking man. Right. But there's more than Terminator and there's more than aliens when it comes to alien, you know, creature features in the eighties, like you've got fucking, fucking pumpkin head man and he just made pumpkin head one of the most memorable horror villains i think memorable horror monsters is it on the level of your frankensteins and your draculas no nothing will ever be on that level though but when you start looking at like just beneath that to me pumpkin head is one of those creatures where like the movie could have been shit because the movie's not shit. Right. The movie could have been shit and it still would have been memorable because of Pumpkinhead. It's kind of like like Leprechaun. Like Leprechaun's not a good movie. Right. We talked about this. It's fun. It's a lot yeah. of fun. But Leprechaun's not a good movie. Why do we remember Leprechaun ultimately? It's Warwick Davis. Yeah. It's the Leprechaun. This movie is better than that. This movie is really good, and yet you still have this monster that comes in and is like, nah, nah, fuck you. You're going to remember because of me. Not because of the good dialogue. You're not going to remember because of the Hill Witches and all that stuff. You know, rah, rah, go America. I've got a pet bald eagle in my backyard. His name's Jeff Bob. Don't you fucking worry. But my name's Pumpkinhead, and you're going to find out. Yeah, I mean, he just – he encompassed so many things – that that you that you find terrifying right he's he his body is is emaciated and, and just kind of gross looking but then he has this crazy strength like i said all these different pieces of him that are kind of put together don't look like they fit and that what makes him you know uniquely pumpkin head and like i think i think that one of the biggest things for me like i said was that idea that there are these stumps coming out of his back that that to me gave the appearance of some sort of fallen angel because they did constantly refer to him as a demon. Yeah. 
and the demon so, of vengeance. Yes, the demon of vengeance. And so those those bones that were just kind of sticking out. It's like this motherfucker used to have wings. Like this guy is he is that biblical tale of of turning against the higher power and and being mutated beyond recognition and and a life of of never finding anything. You know, he he becomes all of those things. But at the same time, I love that when presented with something that that classically should have stopped a demon, he was like, oh, <laughs> what is this? The hull of a church? Don't give a shit. Pumpkin head. And he just like walks it. But then on top of just walking into it, because hollow ground means dick all to pumpkin head. He's like, oh, what's that? A cross? Don't care. Breaks it. Like it was just he took they took that moment in the movie to establish like, yeah, he's a lot more than just a demon. Like he's a whole last thing now. Right. And I do love the idea that that pumpkin head, the entity, he digs him up. So we're just like, Oh, every time somebody summoned pumpkin head, they dug up the same person. But at the end of the movie, what we get is haggis burying Ed Harley. Mm-hmm. And now, Ultimately, yes, killing him stopped Pumpkinhead in that moment. But now his body is the vessel. Now he is Pumpkinhead. And so you also get this really cool, like, last-minute bit of lore about how even if you manage to beat Pumpkinhead and you sacrifice yourself to end him, you just ended that one run. Like, Pumpkinhead's not going anywhere. Pumpkin is beyond time. Pumpkinhead is, 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 he's... Pumpkin head is an idea, you know, so that it's, it's that, that thing that's always, that always gets explored when like every horror movie franchise that has a main killer always reaches that one movie where they're like, what if Freddie was just an ideal and anybody could be Freddie, you know, like they always, yeah. all horror movie franchises reach that point. And a lot of times it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, no, not anybody <laughs> can be Michael Myers. It's his goddamn name. He's right. one person and he is Michael Myers. But you know, you have no, no idea no how Corey much that, Feldman, that... you can't be Jason. Go fuck yourself. Oh my God. <laughs> what? The f- it... <sighs> If it weren't if it weren't for the nudity, and I don't care how this fucking sounds, if it weren't for the nudity, part five would be fucking lost. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yeah, it's it's just fucking terrible. Um, you have no idea how much that quote unquote fan theory of James Bond, like, oh well, yeah, you know, James Bond's just an identity. Fuck you. (laughs) Who the fuck gave you permission to be so fucking stupid? Right. Jeez. Like, yeah, yeah. So they change actors. You know, it's always the same doctor. We've just been through, you know, 18 people who have played him. It's the same guy, and that's okay. <laughs> and that's, but, you know, and so Pumpkinhead subverts that where it's like, no, Pumpkinhead is an idea. He is a demon. He just literally needs a vessel. He's still right. going to look like Pumpkinhead when he comes. It's just <laughs> your body was burnt up in here. So now we're going to bury it in the pumpkin patch. Yeah. So I loved it. They give us just enough pumpkin head lore throughout this for it to make sense. You know, there, there are so many times when you start to get so just deep into the lore of something, even in the first movie, but especially when the franchises keep going, looking at you, Curse of Mike Myers, that it, it all stops making sense and you stop caring about it all. They gave us that in this movie. They gave us just enough of it where it's like, Maybe I do kind of want to watch Pumpkinhead 2 now and see where right. this goes. You know, like it's interesting that there's a video game that came out um, uh, with Pumpkinhead in it. You know, you, you start to realize that they did just enough lore building, which is something that really doesn't exist anymore because the, the current environment is, well, what type of cinematic universe are you creating? What yes. seeds are you planting for the next movie or for the spinoff movie? You know, we uh, we've we've done conjuring movies on here and, and taught, we know we did the nun. They those all felt natural. I'll give them credit for that, with the exception of La Llorona. Like all of those mm-hmm. spinoffs kind of felt natural and felt like they fit into that universe. They didn't feel forced. And I'm interested in watching Pumpkinhead sequels now because I can see where it makes sense that there would be another one. I. Listen, man, I'm not going to disagree with with any of that. 
And I, I think there's, there's only one thing left to do here and that's to rate this movie. Um, and we have talked about how this movie is not a perfect movie. We've talked about how much we like this movie, but it, it it's time to commit. Okay. And um, if, if you are a first time listener, this might be weird. This might be new to you. We never rate movies with stars because stars tell us that everything is equal or at least comparable, comparable. And, 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 and I think all things should be compared only against themselves. You know, why compare pumpkin head against Dan Winston's other works? Why compare pumpkin head against anything for that matter? Because if we're going to compare it to everything, compare it to the fucking birdcage. How can you do that? <laughs> exactly. Can't. That's why we can't do stars. Because one, yeah. so few movies in this world stack up to the birdcage. But yeah. two, we shouldn't be putting things on scales that are so different. Never. You never should. So we only rate things against themselves. Each movie gets a unique rating system. And Daniel, I think out of all the ones that you've come up with, Lately, I don't want to say all all time because I love to commit to like these grandiose ideas. Like this is the greatest <laughs> of all time, and then I end up kicking myself in the ass because I think about it. I'm like, oh fuck, it wasn't because this was the greatest. So lately, I think this might be the best one you've come up with out of a total possible five kids named Bunt. How many kids named Bunt do you give Pumpkinhead? All right, so, so let's we don't we don't math on this show often, but let's do a little math as we figure out our rating here. So one, I already don't like this. Right, there's <laughs> at least one boy named Bunt in this movie, right? So there you at, go. At the absolute lowest, it's going to go one. Um, but then we then we start adding on some more boys named Bunt because <laughs> <laughs> Pumpkinhead is a seriously underrated and spectacular movie monster um after after watching this again and having it fresh in my memory like i feel like i want to get into arguments with people about where he falls in the pantheon of movie monsters right he seems to have fallen victim to one just kind of time and place late 80s it was a glut of some of these things and and it was easy to lose some of the good ones and some of the bad ones so but I think that for all the reasons that we discussed, that, that Pumpkinhead is an incredible movie monster. So you got a couple more boys named Bunt there. And then I think that the performance of Lance Henriksen in this movie is phenomenal. I think that every bit of emotion, we get to see him as the the hardworking country boy telling stories about you know his grandma and her hands that feel like tissue paper. We get to see him as the loving father who takes the time to cook his boy breakfast. And, and apparently story time at breakfast is a pretty regular thing because, you know, he, his son says, is it story time? He says, I reckon so. So, you know, you, you got I this I would have guy. enjoyed that as a kid. Yeah, exactly. So you've got this guy who is a single father, runs a grocery store, still has enough time to apparently make his boy breakfast and and, and make up stories every day. You get the grieving father who who is just wrecked and makes a terrible decision. You get the guy who grows and realizes the things he did were bad and how he's how he's going to fix them. And ultimately, you get the hero who realizes that sacrificing himself is the only way that's going to fix what he fucked up. Yeah. And so you there there's so many different things there worthy of boys named Bunt that I'm not going to ride that five line because it's, it's, it's not a perfect movie, right? I mean, it's, it's eighties through and through um, it, you know, it's, it, it's got that feel to it, but I, I would feel bad if I went any less than four boys named bunt, because I think that this, I think that you could show this movie to any horror fan who's never seen it. And they would be upset that it took them 25 years to get around to seeing it. Uh, and because I do think that there is just so much here to learn from and so many ideas here that go explore just enough that I, I, I think, I think it, it's, it's got to sit at a, fo- a solid four boys named bunt. 
I, I'm right there with you. And um, the weird thing is this is exactly what I was thinking when the movie was over. Because this is one of those movies that I guess it's always existed for me. I was born in 87. Oh, this fuck, 35 years. This thing's 35 years old. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, the 80s were so long ago. Uh, fuck, man. <laughs> you know, I, I was talking about something with someone the other day where I was ta- – uh, it was a student. And it wasn't the other day. It was fucking today. Um, <laughs> and memory's shot. <laughs> I was talking about the fall of the Soviet Union. We're doing rhetorical analyses in my class right now. And uh, he's going to compare different um, – different speeches given by world leaders during the cold war and i was talking about yeah you know because you know 20 years ago the fall of the soviet union you know he's like sir <laughs> 1991 man i'm like uh-huh <laughs> yeah yeah the 90s 20 years ago yeah exactly um so yeah a, a, a friend of mine posted a picture of her son it's a lot of school I'm, i mean i guess you know it's it's homecoming season in high schools mm-hmm. and so a lot of the schools around here do like a week of dress-up days before the homecoming game yeah a friend of mine posted a picture of her son and she was like it's decades day my son wanted to dress like he's from the 90s fyi the 90s weren't 20 years ago and i just replied flagging for hate speech <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my my students ask me all the time. Um, my my school has this you know huge network of uh, of alumni where it's like you know everyone keeps coming back to school. They send their sons back to the school, and they ask me what it what it was like to be in the school in the early two thousands. You know, because I was there from oh one to oh five, and uh, the first thing I do is I tell them to fuck off. <laughs> and uh, and then I tell them what it was like. I was like, there was this magical time of frosted tips and visors and puka shells. Boy bands ruled the world and walked Boy around like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost our entire audience. <laughs> all, all of the 18-year-olds who are watching this like, man, this pumpkin hit sounds pretty cool. <laughs> like, fuck these old men what the <laughs> hell <laughs> uh listen man you know the, the the movie's not perfect it's not perfect but it is i think anything less than four is criminal and uh and, and, and to me the movie feels um decidedly 80s but uniquely timeless there's something about it that I feel like because specifically because it feels like it's Appalachia, like right. you can you can go to wherever this takes place in because they never really say no. right. It, it, it could be somewhere in Georgia. It could be who the fuck knows where, right? And I've been to the fucking like Ozarks, like the Ozarks, fucking wild. Yes, I never want to get lost there because I'll never fucking find my way out. Right, so. And probably end up dead in a mine shaft. Like if we're just being honest, I don't before know shit about nightfall. walking around the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Be- <laughs> before nightfall. Uh, and I would probably just like find the biggest stick I could find and do it myself. Because whatever's <laughs> going to find me, it's going to be worse. Um, like I, it still fucking looks that way today. Yeah. You know, like w- one of the things that we love to do is, is w- w- we'll go into um, like that northern Georgia, Tennessee border area, and uh, and we vacation there during uh, during Christmas time. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Fucking looks exactly the same as that, and the yeah. cars are exactly the same, and the people dress exactly like time stands still for mountain folk. Yes, it's just they are. That's it. You know, um, uh, there's there's no predicate there. They are. That's it. <laughs> and and it's. <laughs> This movie captures that. This movie captures that timeless Americana, that 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 cryptid thing where like people people in fucking Europe are not worried about cryptids. Right. You know, like they, they've got their own fucking problems to deal with. They like, got one plesiosaur in a lake. That's it. That's all <laughs> they've got. And they and, and, and they have fucking picnics on its back. Yeah. You know, exactly. We have four different types of Bigfoots just in this country. Yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting. It is Bigfoots and not Big Feet. Yes, it is Bigfoots, not Big Feet. 
<laughs> so yeah, anything less than four, it's uh, it it w- would be just absurd. It would it it wouldn't make any sense. So there you have it. It is four boys named Bunt, and um, I'm very happy with that. I am too. Like if you if you're listening and and you've not watched this one, we. We've kind of, we told you the major plot points, but you've got to go enjoy this because this, like I said, this is one you, you've got to see. You've got to just experience what Pumpkinhead is because he's great. Yeah, absolutely. So um, next week, we will be continuing our our Halloween extravaganza. We haven't really decided what we're calling nah, we, it. We have, like, we Halloween Hoedown. Can we there do we Halloween Hoedown? Market trademarked. We're done. There we go. Yes. Don't bother. We have already uh, trademarked it. So um, <laughs> we haven't just uh, just putting that out there. We have not actually done that. Oh, wait. Um, what? I just got a cease and desist email. <laughs> uh, sent to us by the uh, American Hose Association. <laughs> um, good, pe- good people. The AHA. The AHA. They're fantastic. Um, <laughs> and a little too much wine today. Um, I'm on cough syrup and truly we're doing all right. <laughs> uh, but what are we doing next week? So for the next couple of weeks, actually, what we're going to do is so last year, we everything we did, like I said, was was straight up. These movies take place around Halloween. This year, we're doing stuff that encompasses the feel of Halloween. So what we're going to do for the next two weeks is we're going to hit you with two ends of the spectrum, old and newer on some anthology movies and next week we're going to come at you for one that you have heard us mention if you've been listening at least as long as i've been on this show no less than 14 times <laughs> we're doing creep show we're going back time. we're going back to the 80s the early 80s we're going back to when you could do scary you could do funny you could do it all and you could do it in one movie because it's with just leslie ba- nielsen correct the 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 untouchable Leslie Nielsen. Um, and, I mean, this this if you've never even heard of Creep Show, here's here's how extreme this movie goes. There is an and there's a short in this based on a Stephen King story, and Leslie Nielsen's in the movie. Like we <laughs> Yeah. Are there further ends of the spectrum than Stephen King and Leslie Nielsen? No. I don't know but I'm pretty sure there's not. So yeah, so we're doing Creep Show 1982 next week. Very excited about that. Um, so make sure you check us out there. Head to shiverpod.com where you can find links to all of our social medias. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, most active on Instagram. If you are listening and you're following us, check back because I posted one that I thought would get more traffic that it is not. And I posted one up and I want to know what some people's horror movie hot takes are. Mm. Um, we, I posted when I posted it, I made sure to point out the fact that we are in the grand minority in the fact that we did not like uh, um, Barbarian very much. It can go fuck itself. It absolutely can. Um, And we got a handful on that one, um, including uh, Spider Franklin on Instagram, who said the first Terrifier wasn't that good. And I just replied, oof, because I can see where that one's going to bring some heat. So go back and find that one and let us know what your horror hot takes are. We love the interaction on Instagram. And if you want to meet us in person, Head to the Hyatt Regency in Orlando for Spooky Empire, the 27th, 28th, and 29th, because we will be there. We will be drinking bourbon. We will be looking for autographs. And I just ordered 200 stickers today. So come get a sticker and a hug and meet us. Uh, Yeah, and maybe not in that order. (laughs) You might not ask for the sticker and just come for the hug, but you're going to get a sticker slapped on your back. Correct. Yeah. Um, Yeah, very excited about that. So on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, Fright you very much.